Welcome back to another episode of Keone Chats. If this is your first time checking out the show, I say welcome in that all episodes can be found on all podcast platforms. So that would be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. If you tuned into the announcement that was made on Friday, October 21st, the Keone Chats podcast show is no longer releasing full-length episodes on YouTube. Uh, rather, now it will just be releasing longer clips and what you can see on social media. And speaking of social media, uh, if you want to follow the show, it would be K Media on Facebook, KC Media 13 on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and appreciate a good follow there because that's where I announce episodes that are released. So my guest this week is Michaela Canetti. So I work with Michaela's boyfriend and partner, uh, and I have the tendency to make friends pretty quickly. I, okay, let's call it as this. I, I can make broships pretty quickly. And uh, when it came to Michaela's uh, partner and uh, boyfriend, he's it was an easy guy to talk to, easy guy to get along with, and uh, just randomly out of the blue, I just asked, hey, do you and your, do you and yours want to go on a double date with me and mine? And uh, she, he said yes. And uh, as I'm, uh, as at that time I was, uh, you know, thirty, and I was realizing that a calendar is very handy because that we didn't have that double date until about a month later. So, the first thing that really made me connect with her. She is born in the Philippines. Uh, I have family from the Philippines, so we share that heritage. And um, <laughs> uh, so once that was, you know, you know that, that connection was kind of flourish and we talked about it, uh, she opened up to me about being a Rose Queen back in 2017. And uh, uh, that's kind of a big elephant for her because uh, a lot of people recognize her from that. So... Uh, during the interview, I just want to make sure that we we touch base on it because it just it would be silly not to touch base on it at least a little. But I also wanted to know more about her and uh, how her time as a Rose Queen um, helped propel her into the life she has now. You know, how did Rose Queen uh, help her in her uh, position as a member of the Kappa Delta? and the vice president and the work she did with the community there and also propel her into her uh, position within the city of Hillsborough within its government. So she's a very interesting woman and very into her work and loves to give back. Um, and so I was really happy to get her in on the chair across from me and talk to her and learn more about her. Uh, and get her story out there. So I hope everyone else enjoys the interview as well. Uh, again, if uh, you're enjoying this and you want more episodes, then you can follow the show on all podcast platforms and uh, under Keone Chats. And then you can follow the show on social media. That would be KC Media 13 on Instagram and Twitter and then Conluke Media on Facebook. Um, so yeah, without further ado, however you are, listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy my chat with Michaela Canetti. Oh, okay. We can exhale. We can exhale. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be chill. It's going to oh. be a good time. Yeah, yeah. Nothing it's to just, worry about. Well, you, I mean, as a, I, I mean, in the time I've known you, you are 
a planner. Yes. I feel. I feel your planner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, context for people just listening in uh, or watching that uh, I had some issues last night in terms of getting things set up and then it got f- like it got the solution re- revealed itself 20 minutes before this conversation uh, and so I was a little out of breath trying to get it all put together Michaela how do you kind of handle when things aren't going some way and like you know an issue is like kind of stopping you you're close to the deadline and then next thing you know, it's magically fixed. Yeah. I mean, like, I think first and foremost, the fact that it was, like, fixed, you know, or, like, a resolution finds itself or whatever the case may be. I think leading up to it, um, just having faith and, like, kind of having the confidence that things are going to get resolved is always a good thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I there's also, I mean, stress involved with that as well. But I think just focusing on the task itself or the goal, goal itself is really important. And again, just having the confidence that things are going to be resolved towards the end of the day, you know. And then also having, when it is solved, just everything's going to be okay. We're chilling. <laughs> we're chilling. We're here. We're doing the thing. So. We're, we're doing the, yeah, we're, we're doing the darn thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> so... I'm in this weird place right now where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I'm enjoying doing interviews. And then again, you're actually the second person I've interviewed in this new location mm-hmm. that I'm like still trying to figure out how things should should look, mm-hmm. how things should be placed. Right. Uh, I know you just moved in with your partner and, and a friend. Yes. What was that kind of like arrangement process like? Because he had to balance you know, it's two boys or two men, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You have to you have to balance their egos. How how was that? Yeah, you know, and just a little bit of background. So I came from like um, during my adolescence, I had lived with a brother, so I kind of knew. My brother and I are very close, so I kind of knew what it was like to live with a boy. And then when I was in college, at one point, I lived with like forty two women Ooh. in a sorority house, which was like pretty crazy. It yeah. was it was cool, and we can talk about that later if we need to. But like. Um, <laughs> So that was kind of the environment that I was used to. And then I had moved in a house, and we called it a live-out because there was multiple women who were in the sorority with me. Mm. Um, and there were six of us in there. So that was a huge house in itself. And then transitioning to post-college, I uh, moved in with my partner, Sam, who you work with. Mm-hmm. And he's wonderful. And honestly, it was, it was interesting because post-college, they don't necessarily talk about it a ton. But um, there's that balance of like, okay, I'm not in college anymore. So personally for me, I had to get rid of all, all my pink. So mm, yep. <laughs> my favorite color is pink. So it's like <laughs> I had to get rid of all that. And I was like, all right, time to go to the neutral tones, like that kind of thing. And it wasn't until, um, you know, the following year, this year, that we were like, all right, let's have um, Jackson move in with us. He's graduated college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll have we'll enjoy our 20s and having like doing the whole roommate thing. Um not as difficult as you would think kind of like living with two boys like being a, a, a girl and mm-hmm. like doing that whole thing um it's great because a lot of the interests that they're interested in so like gaming like sports whatever the case may be like i'm also into so that balance of like okay well you know sundays we watch football we'll mm-hmm. get that taken care of or like the middle of the night we'll be gaming and like I'm not complaining about it because I, too, am gaming kind of thing. So, and, you know, I think the last component of that is just making sure that the expectations are set, 
like moving into like the place and so like cleanliness what that looks like and um, it was funny because I was gone for a work trip Mm -hmm. and for a week and I got a text from Sam and he was like dude like it's so evident when you're not here and I was like what are you talking about (laughs) he was like the house is a mess (laughs) and I was just like that's on y'all and it was funny because when I came back for like that one the one day that I was in um in town again they had cleaned up everything and like it was just so anyways it's it's a good time um it's been really fun living with um Sam and Jackson and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it it seems like for for men when it comes to like crunch time, they can they can turn it on, they can oh, yeah. zone in. But when it comes to like well before, yeah. they're like, ah, it's okay. Right, and like Jackson said, like yesterday, he was like, I know when you're home, and I'm like, what do you mean? And you're like, he was like, the candles are like <laughs> lit, and the, and the house smells good. And I'm like, I got candles everywhere. Y'all don't turn that on or nothing like that. And they're like. No, and I'm like, okay, well, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. It, it's been a good time. Been yeah, my time. my partner Jamie, she's also a candle freak. I don't <sighs> know what the proper terminology is, but um, when we started dating, we were still living apart. But mm-hmm. she gave she had like a bunch of candles, and I was like, she gave me one yeah. because subliminally she might be like, you know, you could use a new <laughs> scent in here. Right. Right. So uh, I I did it for a little bit, mm-hmm. but then uh, we kind of haven't done it so much lately because right. just because I think we're a, it's, I feel like candles are also like a cold weather thing. Yeah, no, definitely. Like in the summertime, I like my my house to smell like pineapple. I Ooh. don't know. That's like, I'm just, I'm here for that. But in the fall time, like that's when it's, like fall is my favorite season. Mm. It's the best. Um, candles and I have not necessarily been the best of friends mm. <laughs> in the past. And fun fact about me, I was considered like a fire hazard back oh. in college. There was this one time where I think it was, it might have been prior to the pandemic. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I had this candle that was given to me as a gift. And, you know, there's like different levels of sure. candles. There's like high end ones versus like, yeah. you know, the ones. It smelled great, just had it on. And then for some reason, I forgot about it. And it was a fairly cheap candle. So mm. when it usually what candles do is when they get down to the wick, it just stops. Yeah. This one kept burning. And so again, forgot about it. Went to the store with my, my friend Madeline. And then I get a text saying, Michaela, oh my God, your candle blew up. I was like, What? <laughs> so the candle had blown up and it like caught the blanket that I had on my bed caught on fire. Oh. So it was <laughs> Oh, no. There was no huge fire or anything like that. It was fine. But... I was about to say, do we need to call the fire department <laughs> get evidence? No, no, we were fine. And so, yeah, anyways, like now living all together with like Sam and Jackson, it's been mm-hmm. nice because they're like, all right, yeah, we got to blow that candle out if you're leaving. I'm like, yeah, great. Accountability. It's important. Accountability. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we're recording right now, we're, you know, into October. Mm-hmm. It, I I don't get it because Oregon's usually very good about it's like deadline of like okay we're ending summer going to fall. Right. We're we're still in a stretch of like eighty degree days. Oh my gosh. How are you feeling about that? You know it's so funny because um, I've been living in Oregon for about fourteen years now. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about maybe my, where I came from before that, but essentially <laughs> it's falls interesting mm. because it's like super cold at night and I usually go into work at like eight. 8 a.m. and it's foggy. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, like time to layer up. However, in the afternoon when I get off work, it's like 80 degrees. It's just confusing. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, how yeah. I'm kind of at. So layering, like I didn't understand it back then. They're like, oh yeah, do layers. And I'm like, 
okay, now I get it. 100%. <laughs> I made a, a joke to, again, Jamie, about, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted to go to the pumpkin patch yeah. soon. And how we went last year, people wearing, like, white shoes. They're dressed pretty nice. They're trying yeah. to get a good photo. Yeah. And yeah. then we're like, you dummies. Those white <laughs> shoes are going to get wrecked. Oh, my God. I wore white shoes to the pumpkin patch. And funny enough, like, the last few years, I've always worn, like, yeah, because we want to take cute photos. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean? Like, I'll Matching. wear, like, little heels. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, not anymore. Can't do it. I don't know. But now if you go, like, let's say within the next week or so, it's like, well, it's going to be fine. Right. It's all dry. Exactly. It's all exactly. Dry. Until it gets wet again, <laughs> which is how Oregon usually functions. But who knows? what the weather will look like <laughs> yeah so so yeah so you moved to oregon mm-hmm. um at the age ripe age of mm-hmm. about six 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 ish to seven ish yeah. around that range um before that though you were born in the philippines mm-hmm. and then um i was actually at a lunch or dinner with for my grandma's birthday mm-hmm. this past thursday and then i was telling about you because i was like oh we get to interview a, a fellow filipina yeah. filipino and yeah um and then when it came to trying to say the name of your home city, yes, I was like, yeah. uh, I'm Americanized. I'm an Americanized Filipino. I will openly admit that. Yeah. Um, how are you and still trying to like say the name and know it's like, okay, I said it correctly. Like, do you feel yourself and your culture starting to slip because you're spending more time here? But yeah, first off, like. Where, where are you from, Michaela? Yeah, no, so I was born in Mandaluyong. So Mandaluyong, it was, it's right next to Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I tell people, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm Filipino. They're like, where, are you, where were you born? And I'm like, ah, Manila. <laughs> Can I just right? say that? Because it's, Mandaluyong is truly a suburb yeah. of Manila. Mm-hmm. And um, so I came to the U.S. when I was six. And we lived in Oregon for like a few months, and then we actually ended up moving to California. Okay. And in California, we were in Sunnyvale at one point. We were Oakland in Oakland for like a few years, I think. And then we actually ended up moving to Hillsborough, Oregon. Ah. And, um, you know, just a comparison between like Philippines and California, it wasn't too bad in terms of just like um, c- kind of reflecting as like a young brown filipino girl Mm -hmm. you know demographics were fairly similar because there was a lot of people of color in california and which where i was at um and it wasn't until i actually moved from california to oregon that i had the culture shock of Mm -hmm. like wow i'm actually in the united states and growing up i thought the united states was like funny enough a snow globe oh because i heard that it snowed and i was like so snow globe like that's the only concept of snow that i had and so i was like i had this thing and then i realized i'm like okay it's not a snow globe but here we are in oregon kind of thing and one of the most shocking um experiences that i had that kind of hit my culture shock was um my brother and i were walking around our new place kind of just checking it out in the neighborhood and um some lady had said good morning to us and we were like oh my god like what is she who, how does she know us? Like we were just like freaking out of how nice people were. Yeah. And so, um, you know, again, I've been here for the last 14 years and I don't have an accent. Mm. Like I don't have a Filipino accent. And I was really fortunate growing up um, having access to television. So I watched like 
That's So Raven growing up when I was in the Philippines. Uh, yeah. I watched Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, like all the Disney, like all those things. So I kind of picked up English fairly quickly. Mm. Um, and so kind of, you know, tying it back into the culture of the Philippines and like Filipino culture, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that I haven't, like I've kind of tapped into that a little bit more. I've lost a lot of it because very similar to you, I'm very Americanized now. And there hasn't necessarily been a lot of opportunity for me to like embrace my uh, Filipino culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And aside from like the occasional, and I don't think it happens now because he had retired, but like Manny Pacquiao fights, (laughs) like that would go on kind of thing. (laughs) So, you know, aside from that, not not a ton. And like, um, you know, I heard that there's going to be a Jollibee built in hillsborough sometime mm-hmm. soon it, so, yeah it was like it was supposed to happen and they got pushed back it and, got pushed back yeah. and so i know that's gonna happen which is gonna be great because that's another opportunity for me to kind of like embrace that filipino side of me yeah <laughs> so oh yeah. yeah you know and um because i remember when i was younger mm-hmm. uh i would obviously i did i couldn't speak the language um because there's so many dialects oh gosh yeah. um and at least i think in my family there was at least two or three mm-hmm. dialects there so Anytime, like, my mom would talk to my grandma, and then they might say something or make some gesture of, like, mm-hmm. you know, indicating, like, oh, can you get the rice over there? Right. And Doon. Then, yeah. Oh, Doon. Doon. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But, like, I would pick up on it, and then they'd be like, did yeah. you understand me? I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's small things, and, like, um, I'm fortunate to still be able to kind of understand Tagalog. Mm-hmm. You know, cons- the main language of Tagalog, like I don't, unfortunately, I don't understand the other dialects like mm-hmm. Ilocano. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. Like when I, w- I went to go visit the Philippines when I was 16. So that was 2013. S- mm-hmm, a 10 years following. Did my research. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years. And thank you because I'm just like, I don't even know what year that was because it was, I think I was in high school during that time. Yeah. Or like coming up to high school. Anywho, I went back and like, again, very fortunate that I was able to kind of still understand people, but being able to speak it, I had such a hard like American accent Mm. that I couldn't blend in. Even like my fashion sense, like I couldn't blend in. They were like, oh gosh, yeah, this girl's from like the US kind of thing. So yeah, that was an interesting time. (laughs) You kind of stick out there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, So I believe in my research process of your life Mm -hmm. uh yeah it was 2013 and then when you went back you said that there was some kid that uh went up to your car and said hey uh, do you have any food or or something too along those lines Mm -hmm. asking for some sort of help um when you think about it now in the position you're in does it like and then kind of tying it into that kid in that situation Mm -hmm. does it motivate you at all to continue the work path you're on right now or is it just kind of like the further part what part you get, like the yeah. harder it is to kind of stay yeah, attached to it. That's a good it. question. I um, you know, so when I went to go visit to the to the Philippines again, um, it was really difficult because you know when I was younger, like that was that was what I was familiarized with, mm-hmm. and coming back and kind of being exposed to like the American lifestyle and kind of seeing like just a different shift in terms of you know. Um, and demographics, um, cleanliness was another one, yeah. and just overall environments of the United States, especially, especially Hillsborough, where I grew up, and comparing it to the Philippines, it was really difficult. Um, and it was really disheartening to not only see 
Like, I went to go visit my old home hmm. in the Philippines, and I couldn't find it. Oh. Like, it was, like, covered in trash. Oh. Like, it was just awful. And, like, um, there were, like, stray animals everywhere. And, like, there's, like, rumors where, like, people would, like, get the animals and, like, cook them because you can't, like, they couldn't get food. Like, that kind of thing that happens in the Philippines. And then the experience you mentioned, you know, that really broke my heart because mm -hmm. like I've been there kind of thing like when I lived in the Philippines we didn't have a ton of money like the house that we had was like the same size of this room but it had like the bed the kitchen and like everything oh. all consolidated into one space yeah and um when uh the little boy had knocked on my taxi window um asking for money you know we gave him money and he just ran and I'm just like, think about, you know, like, what are the things that, the, you know, kids in the Philippines, like, what are they experiencing? Like, I can understand the, like, impoverished because, like, again, I've been there. But, like, what other, you know, experiences, traumas are associated with once you give somebody money trying to help them, like, they run away. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what is what does that imply? And so with the work that I'm doing now, and I'll talk a little bit about just kind of my education background, you know, so I went to, well, I graduated from Oregon State University. Mm -hmm. Go Beavs, I know you're a duck. <laughs> <laughs> well, a uh, side tangent, you know, yeah. I have respect for the Beavers because they're, the they're, they're also a home team, home yeah. state of Oregon. Yeah. We even went to a Beavers game together. Right. So continue though. Right. But that was, that was super fun. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I graduated there and at First, I wanted to, um, all throughout high school, I wanted to um, do something in the medical field. Like, yeah. I wanted to become, like, a nurse practitioner. I wanted to do, like, uh, specifically what piqued my interest was pediatric oncology, which is how the cancer. Mm -hmm. And my first year in college, I kind of thought more about what that looked like, did a few shadowing opportunities, and I was like, wow, like, I personally cannot, I don't think I can personally handle the toll that it might take from like if a kid were to not survive mm -hmm. cancer who's under my care and that whole that idea wrecked me so i was like okay let me take a back seat like what do we want to do what are we confident in like what is the direction that we want to go and i thought about my roots i thought about that kid who knocked on my window and i'm like okay let's look at doing political science. Mm -hmm. And at the time, my freshman year, there was um, a class called International Relations that was um, taught by Amy Balow, just a wonderful professor. And um, she really inspired me to look into political science. And so I did. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was an international affairs um, option. Mm -hmm. So I went down that road. And I'm like, all right, like, what is the plan? And I think for me... Again, I'm a planner, like you mentioned <laughs> in the beginning. The plan was to graduate with this degree and, you know, communications and French kind of followed along with it. Um, with to graduate with this degree, get a better understanding of a city and how it functions and the opportunities for economic and community development. And hopefully take that knowledge and go international with it, whether mm -hmm. it be a nonprofit or, you know, some sort of government position, maybe in the Philippines or another developing nation. So I can assist in hopefully preventing, uh, you know, things like what happened with the boy to happen in the future that kind of thing and so um to answer your question like does that experience motivate me the answer is yes and i'm very fortunate to kind of still be on that track of what i had planned originally as a policy analyst with the city of hillsborough so mm -hmm. with that position i get to 
check out all different departments and like get an understanding of all the departments that go around with the city and hopefully again applying that knowledge and going to nonprofit or maybe the UN. I don't know yet. I'm I'm chilling. I'm in my twenties. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going with the flow. <laughs> um I believe it's a very stereotypical thing for a Filipino to get into the nursing field. Yes. Joe Coy, a Filipino comedian, makes fun of it all the time. Right. And I'm sure when you were actually I'm not I'm gonna assume. But when you when you were in California, when you came out of, you know, the Philippines, mm-hmm. did you encounter people that kind of swayed you to like, Oh, you wanna do medicine? Let me talk to you for a minute. Not in the sense when I was in California. I was more mm. applicable to when I was in um, high school. Okay. So my titas and my aunties were all nurses. My godmother, it was a nurse. Mm. And then, you know, so there was this pressure. And I think it kind of ties into the idea of, like, success and, like, the concept of the American dream mm. to come in and to, you know, have the knowledge and kind of have the collectivist thought of helping others. And, um, you know, I, and I liked it. And I was like, I really love learning about medicine. And but I, I thought about, you know, is this kind of going to make me happy in the long mm-hmm. run? Because another direction yeah. that I thought about was doing like some sort of like biology, um, some sort of like education also. Education. education biology is kind of what you were what I saw that you were kind of. Yeah. Towards. Yeah. So like something down that round, I thought about doing like microbiology and doing research and like figuring out vaccines. And I was like. I don't know if I want to go down that route. Someone once told me, they're like, you are too lively to be in a lab by yourself. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's fair. Thank you. <laughs> I Thank get you. that. Yeah. So, you know, I thought about like what will make me happy that will fill my cup in the end of the day. And I think it's the idea of just public service and helping out my community. And yeah. again, tying that into, you know, one day hopefully going international and helping, you know, people who are in need that was in the position that I was in when I was younger. Yeah. And then so you yeah, you went from education in biology to mm-hmm. ending up with a political science and communication. Here's a part that kind of threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. French. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where does that fit into the puzzle? So it's, it's funny because we talk about, you know, Tagalog yeah. and the different dialects. So growing up and kind of how my biological mother had communicated with me, it was very aggressive Tagalog. Yeah, yeah. And right. like I personally hated how it sounded mm. like when like people got mad at each other like we i would watch like filipino dramas and they would just <laughs> yell at each other i'm like oh my god like this is so like this is so aggressive I didn't so have, are they okay what's right going on? like what's going on like you good you yeah. know yeah so anywho i like i want to learn another language that was prettier ah uh, okay and so that's why okay. i picked up french okay. and like i can't speak speak it very well but again I can listen into a conversation and a way that I kind of keep up with my French is I just watch French news and so I just listen to it and I'm like yeah I understand what they're saying kind of thing so and when you jump into the UN then you can (laughs) use that French to diffuse a very hostile situation yeah possibly possibly figured it out my goal is to learn like and maybe this is something that I can actively work on more is like just learning more languages Mm -hmm. Like, I want to learn. I am really motivated to learn Spanish just because of the area that I'm working on. True. Uh, working yeah. in, it's uh, there's a high Hispanic population. And I just want to be able to communicate with them because they are a part of the community. And I want to hear what they have to say, how we can improve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, French is another. And then sign. I'm learning sign. Wow. I'm learning sign, which is really – and I'm 
teaching Sam as well. <laughs> so he and I can learn together. For people that are watching on YouTube, what did you just sign language? Or what was it? I'm words? learning sign. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, which is super fun. And it comes in handy in certain situations, like when Sam and I are in a bar and like he's trying to ask me a question and I just don't know. I just go, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then he gets it. And so, like, we're trying to, like, because it's loud at bars, you know. Oh, so yeah, we're yeah. trying to communicate. Anywho, it's been really fun. You're developing uh, this relationship to a whole nother level. If you can, like, not just, I want to say, like, you know, subliminally send your thoughts to him, you know, telepathy-wise. Mm -hmm. But if you can, can communicate with each other with just, yeah, the motions. Right. That's special. Yeah. That's pretty special. Right. Right. And Sam's awesome. Yeah. We'll talk about him later too. <laughs> <laughs> so something you did while you were at OSU that I, I found kind of pretty uh, impressive, other than just the fact that um, you, know, you were with the sorority and then you're also you know your life before you're in sorority, which I want to touch on in, in a minute. Yeah. Um, but you were uh, the vice president of community services with the Kappa Delta sorority. Yes. So something I was like, whoa, that's the kind of like. You know, you, you see where I see where you are now mm -hmm. and then see all the other community services things that are on your previous docket. And mm -hmm. like, this one was like, this makes sense. Yeah. This, this does connect fairly well. Uh, we raised uh, $21,828 for Card V, which is Center Against Rape and Domestic Violence. Mm -hmm. And then you also raised some funds. Did I put the number there? No, nope. we raised some funds for the PCAA, which is the Prevent Child Abuse America. How did you get those initiatives started, mm -hmm. and then uh, where are they now? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. And I honestly, like, that was my favorite part of my college career was mm -hmm. being a part of a sorority. And, you know, people have their speculations about what a sorority <laughs> is, like, you know, what it is. Um, and But for me, like, I loved it because it was a sense of community for me, and it was with like-minded people who are always striving for, um, you know, better and success. And with Kappa Delta, here's my spiel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kappa Delta at Oregon State, we have a Keone Chats is proudly sponsored by Adelsheim Vineyards. Adelsheim is a winery based out of the Pacific Northwest since 1971. Founders David and Ginny Adelsheim created the winery with the goal to create world-class wine out of the Shehalem Mountains of Oregon's Willamette Valley. Adelsheim partners with Growing Gardens, One Barrel, the Portland Trailblazers, and now the Keone Chats podcast show. I can't say thank you enough to the folks at Adelsheim for giving the listeners of this show this great opportunity to try some of their wonderful products without hurting the wallet too much. So, uh, and especially with the holiday season on the on the verge, uh, what better way to get that wine connoisseur, the wine snob, as I say, uh, this uh, a gift from wine country USA, basically. Um, if you are listening right now and you want to try some of Adelsheim's wine, go to Adelsheim.com, A-D-E-L-S-H-E-I-M.com and click the top right-hand corner where it says menu and start creating a cart. Throw in some rosé, throw in some Chardonnay, maybe a Pinot Noir, or maybe something from the merchandise section. But before you check out, use the discount code GRANDCREW, that's G-R-A-N-D-C-R-U, to get 20% off your total order. That is huge. Again, thank you again to the folks at Adelsheim for this opportunity. And you must be 21 years and over 
to purchase any alcohol from Adelsheim, but if you want to use a discount code on merchandise, that's good with me too. Uh, so again, Adelsheim, A-D-E-L-S-H-E-I-M, and then create a cart, use a discount code GRANDCREW, G-R-A-N-D-C-R-U, 20% off your total discount. Grand Crew is a term in the wine industry. Look it up and you'll find out how fun that is. So everyone, please enjoy responsibly. We have, we have a philanthropy in each, and I don't know if anybody, like everybody knows this, but at least particularly with Oregon State, each Greek house has a philanthropy. And so with Kappa Delta, it was, we supported actually three. So um, CARDVA, the one that you had mentioned, Center Against Rape and Domestic Violence, um, was our local one. Uh, and we had two national ones, which was PCA, Prevent Child Abuse America. And we also supported the Girl Scouts, hey, which was a really fun thing right. for me to do for, as uh, the Vice President of Community Service. And the whole platform there was this idea of confidence. Mm. You know, we wanted to instill confidence in young girls to kind of show them, that, hey, like, you can do it. You can do whatever you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. And then with um, PCA and Cardvo, it was kind of the idea that we wanted to instill confidence on those who may have lost it during, you know, difficult times in life. And I, my God, Keone, like I related to that. I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, and with those certain initiatives, like my time as vice president of community service, like I loved it. Like with the Girl Scouts, we hosted like a handful of events, like Halloween ones. So all the Girl Scouts in the area would come to our like sorority mm. house and we would just have this like Halloween like fun activity. And we play musical chairs, which got heated at some Ooh, points, which whoa. was like super fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank God I wasn't playing on it because I'm not trying to be, be beat by a Girl Scout. <laughs> but um, one of my favorite moments was when we had um, we had a hostess, and this was like right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I was actually vice president of community service like when the pandemic hit, which was like a really difficult thing. But um, one of my favorite events with the Girl Scouts was we did um, this uh, International Women's Day. Mm. And we didn't get a ton of Girl Scouts like compared to our other events, like our Halloween when we had like... 40, 50 girls show up. Mm -hmm. This one just had a few. We had like 10, 15 girls show up. But it was really awesome because it was an opportunity for us to highlight all the amazing women in in just history. So we talked about, um, I can't remember her name at the top of my head, but the first female um, astronaut. We talked about um, Malala Yousafzai. And then we talked about, I believe, Michelle Obama. There were a few other women, but we wanted to highlight these accomplishments that the women um, have done and to just encourage them again, like, hey, you can do anything that you put your mind into. And we did like um, uh, what's called smart goals. And we like kind of talked about a very high level, like, what do you want? What do you want in life? Like, Mm. what do you want to accomplish? So we went through that. And then two weeks later, oh, my gosh, Keone. So two weeks later, I get this letter in the mail and it was like to me and I was like great and I opened it up and it was uh, from a Girl Scout that had attended that event and she was like thank you so much for putting that up like it was really fun like I loved learning all these things and I'm like oh so sweet and I got a little plant with it too so I got like a little plant that I think is planted now at Kappa Delta Um, and uh, in addition to that letter from the Girl Scout there was another letter and it was just like paper and I was like okay like let me open this up and it was from her foster mom. Oh. And she said, hey, 
thank you for putting this up because you um, essentially taught this gal that she can believe in herself mm-hmm. and that one day she too can be like go to college and be as successful as you all are. And I was like, oh, my God. And then there was, like, other details about just, like, how, like, this workshop, like, it impacted her. And I was, like, tearing up. I was, like, crying. I was like, you guys. (laughs) Oh, I can't believe that happened. Um, But anyways, that was one of the fun things. Um, Tying it into CARDVA and PCAA, one of the fun things that, like, I got to host kind of host as vice president community service the following year we actually ended up doing it but it's something that we do every single year is this thing called mock rock (laughs) and it's essentially a lip sync competition oh but it's for frat guys and it's just just people in greek actually i think it ended up opening up to like everybody anybody any group that can participate Mm -hmm. in this and it was so fun like Mm -hmm. they like put on like elaborate dances and like do this whole thing where like yeah, it's like a, a huge performance that happens. And it was the largest philanthropy event in mm. Oregon State. And 80% of the funds go to the Center Against Rape and Domestic Violence. 20% goes to PCAA. Um, and that was really wonderful. And we've had like keynote speakers come from um, CARDVA and talk about kind of the impact that we had. And I believe we are, um, Kappa Delta is the number one um beneficiary to Cardva in the Corvallis location mm-hmm. and so we raised so much money um, to make sure that you know families get what they need when they're in that spot in life and so again kind of instilling that confidence and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff so it's overall wonderful experience it was really difficult to pan during the pandemic because mock rock got canceled mm-hmm. um, and that was something that I like put my heart and soul in you can't really lip sync with a mask on exactly Exactly. And we had to kind of tweak it like the following year and we ended up just doing music videos uh, rather than, you know, lip sync competition like performance. Yeah. And um, where it is now, it, it was really wonderful because I got invited to be a judge last year mm. and it was the first time in a while post pandemic that we got to see mock rock happen Mm -hmm. and so it was really awesome being a judge and like seeing all these performances um sam was a part of phi gamma delta which is another reason why like i say that being a sorority was probably one of the most fun parts of my life and my college life because that's how i met sam but his brothers were in a part of that performance that I was judging and I was like I had to like take a step back and I'm like I don't want to be biased because <laughs> I love these boys you know so yeah it, it's been it was really fun and um I I'm just confident that the direction where Kappa Delta goes in the future is going to be great because they got some good people in there yeah, yeah. and a few things that kind of popped in my head as you're, you're talking but mm-hmm. what does it mean for you now that you look back at your college time to be a minority woman in a position as a vice president and be like, you know, setting it up for those, like the Girl Scouts is mainly what I was thinking. Like you put, you gave these girls like a strong female role model to, you know, strive for. Mm-hmm. What did that mean for you? Yeah. Oh gosh. It just meant a lot. Keone. Like the first time that I ever like, I'm working on a project at work and we talked about like representativeness and, you know, question was asked like, how, when did you first feel representative? Um, and the first time that I saw like a female role model who lo- looked like me was Michelle Obama. Oh yeah. Like we stopped 
class during my fourth grade year to watch the inauguration. Mm. And I remember seeing Michelle Obama and I was like, oh my God, she looks like me. Like yeah. she, like her and I look alike. Yeah. And it inspired me and it also made me realize that I can, I too can be in that spot of, you know, success, whatever that measurable cause may be. So that's what I, I you know, I, I hope that those Girl Scouts or whoever I mentor or the groups that I'm in, that people are able to look at me and kind of see where I'm at despite the difficulties in life that I faced growing up, um, you know, that I'm here and they too, they too can be here. And so I, I really hope that someone who looked like me, you know, is able to look at me now and be like, hey, I can do that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you can. You can mm-hmm. do it. So, yeah, I meant the world. I meant the world. And even like, it, it you know, it doesn't have to be just like as impactful as a girl's got. I mean, what, they, they have bigs and littles, right? Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. That was really fun. There you go. You can yeah. you know, see the, the little grow into the next vice president right. of the Delta Delta Gamma, right? Yeah, Delta Kappa Delta. Kappa Delta. There, there Delta Gamma is another one. They're but. also wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, you mentioned earlier that you know you were part of the sorority, and then there are some stigma, negative stigmatisms around it. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some that you had going into your first year at OSU, and then as soon as you kind of got in the swing of, it, you're like, oh. This thing's not real. Yeah, like, I think one of them was, like, um, we always wanted a party. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, partying is a really fun time. But it's, like, we're safe about it, you know. Or, like, I can only really speak about my experiences. But there were some days where I was like, yeah, I'm literally just going to hang out and watch whatever TV show. (laughs) Not do anything, (laughs) you know. But I think there is some pressure of, like, oh, you get into a sorority, you have to be social, you have to, you know. Um, But I think often it's um, – people don't think about, you know, the reasonings to why other people join the sorority and maybe a connection of the philanthropy, which I know a lot of people join, you know, Kappa Delta or whichever house or whichever chapter – Um, they do that because they're connected with the philanthropy or, you know, a sense of community as well. Like I mentioned, like, there's that whole thing of like, oh, we're sisters, you know, that kind of thing. But I've met some wonderful people in my life that I can uh, confidently say that are going to be in the rest of my life. Like, my big is getting married and I'm a bridesmaid in it. So it's like, yeah. So you make these relationships, but um, kind of when I was in this full swing of it, I'm like, you know what? People are going to think what they think, but all I can really do is control what I do. And I'm just going to keep living life and doing the things that I do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can't let other people's, you know, perception stop you from, you know, chasing what you want to chase. Right. right. So. Or feel bad about, like, talking about it, too. Like, I've been in rooms where, like, I say, like, oh, I was the vice president of community service for Kappa Delta. And they're like, what's Kappa Delta? I'm like, oh, it's a sorority. And then automatically it's like, all right, like, she's a party girl. She did, the, you know, it goes on and I'm just like, you can think what you think, but this is who I am and I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. So. Was, yeah. That's a good point. It's like, um, like, can you see, like when you're talking, let's say we're, we're meeting for the first time mm-hmm. and you say you're in the sorority and then I have that immediate, is there like a tell sign that of like, oh, this guy, this person is starting to think like, yeah, no, it's <laughs> usually like I say I'm in a sorority and they go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> She's that girl. <laughs> She's that girl, yeah. And I'm like, 
gotta know. But it's, it's a great, like, connecting factor. Like, I've been in uh, situations where I'm at work, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, I was in this house. And I was like, oh, awesome. And then we kind of just talk about, like, how it was mm-hmm. back in the day or whatever the case may be kind of thing. It's funny now. I'm like, oh, gosh, two years out of college. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love Capital <laughs> Slash, like, like... <laughs> yeah, you're two years out of college. Mm-hmm. And then slash, I think what we would be, like, approaching your 10-year mark out of high school. Oh, my God. Don't even say that. <laughs> yeah i graduated in 2017 in high school oh yeah you got some time though you i got, got, I got a few, few got years yeah i know i uh i graduated from high school in 2010 so which meant that 2020 when yeah. covid was at its peak did no. you did you have your 10 year no <sighs> you did not and right. then we're like what if we pair with 2011 like god no <laughs> at that point it's like 11 year it's like that's you, not exciting it's just it's not a mile marker right 15 maybe 20 true, true. Yeah. And, then, and again, at that point. <laughs> so do I go? Do I want to <laughs> see these people? <laughs> um, so, yeah, again, before we started, to, I guess not just before this conversation, but just, the, you know, when we first started hanging out, mm-hmm. um, it's funny because, like, Jamie and I were like, this is actually the first time we're going to have, like, a couple friends you know like a couple oh. friends that are couples that yeah. want to do stuff with us yeah how did you feel about that it's kind of a tangent but it's like no no <laughs> honestly you know, I was so excited I was yeah. so excited because like um when Sam first started his job at FP he would always talk about Keone Keone I'm like oh my gosh like I need him <laughs> and then like um he was like oh, when was the first time we hung out it was as a bowling alley we went to oh we went yeah. bowling yeah I was really excited yeah. because I think that's a part of like graduating from college too and like moving back out like to where your career leads you it's like oh oh we need couple friends (laughs) we need to like do things with couples because it's like (laughs) you know we have our guy friends i have my girlfriends like it's just like you know but it's different when you're in a couple it's like it's fun double dating and like you know you can always four is a good number (laughs) (laughs) it's three you feel odd two is fine it's always the evens Yes. To the evens. Right. It's like right. you can get a table faster when there's four people. You know, it's just it works out. It works out. No, but it was it was really fun. And like I love you and Jamie and love hanging out with you guys. And mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, it's just been awesome having you all as friends. Something you I believe you mentioned again, maybe it was maybe not at bowling, but maybe a little bit later when I saw you at the company holiday party. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting with royalty. I'm sitting with royalty. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Meaning back in 2017, you were coordinated as a Rose City, Rose Festival Queen, right? Yes. 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 Um, Your Majesty. (laughs) 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 Uh, So going into college, did that track with you? Did people know about this before you jumped into OSU and... Kappa Delta, or was it just like, you just want to lay low? A, a little bit, a uh, little bit. So um, Rose Festival is just a wonderful organization in that um, before becoming a queen, I was a quote-unquote princess, mm-hmm. and I was the first princess um, from my high school, I believe, and yes, from my high school. So that was kind of like a big first deal. First ever. Yeah, first ever. For I my checked high the school. record books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, what 
what that program is is an opportunity for you know young women to have um, not only a scholarship so I think I got a $3,500 scholarship going into college which was great because I was like I don't know what finances are so mm-hmm. like any scholarship that I get like this was awesome we got sponsored by Adidas which was awesome hey. um, and still to this day not to this day, no, unfortunately, okay. <laughs> but during that time I was. Um, and then just like, again, that community aspect, you know, there uh, the other princesses um, to this day, like we still talk and we still catch up every once in a while. And like you really get to develop that bond, especially when you're traveling for three months. Mm. So we went every single day. I think we had one off day, but every single day for three months we had like traveled somewhere in Oregon we started off at like seaside and like going to the coast and then at one point we ended up in Pendleton which was awesome because I had again like my scope of what the United States was was just so small like I knew there was Oregon I knew there was California and then like the east coast New York Mm -hmm. Massachusetts whatever um, so that was really awesome. And during that time, you go through like interviews to become a queen. And it kind of gets complicated because when you become queen, you're not necessarily tied in with Rose Festival. You get tied into another organization that is kind of like there's like a trio, mm. the Royal Rosarians. So you're actually the queen is under them. And then as queen, um, you get to essentially represent Portland. And there's a reason why Portland is called Rose City. And do the research, it's like because of Rose Festival, because of the Royal Rosarians, because of Rose Society. Those are the three organizations. Um, but I got to travel to Taiwan Whoa. as queen, um, which was amazing. Like, it was such a cool experience to be able to travel but then also just get the hospitality mm. and just i guess be a representative of, of like oregon and portland and mm-hmm. like it was an incredible experience but that was during my um my freshman year of college funny enough <laughs> so like i was crowned queen graduating to uh, high school so 2017 and then i was my queen year was 2017 to 2018 mm-hmm. um and it was funny when I was going through recruitment, which is the process of like getting a sorority. There, at one point, someone recognized me. Oh, which who was a past princess? Oh, um, of the Rose Festival, and she, I like saw her at the gym, and she was like, "Are you the queen?" And I was like, "I was like, I didn't think that this was gonna follow me." There's like a few people and like that went to high school with me that go to Oregon State, but I didn't think this was gonna follow. Yeah, and then she was in a sorority. That, that she was in Kappa Delta, so like everyone there when I was going through recruitment, they're like the queens here, oh, like everybody geez. shape up. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so that was really funny, and I try to keep it on the down low because I don't, you know, there's again stigma around yeah. like royalty and what that means, and like, um, you know, when I was crowned princess, funny enough, like I, I ended up going to a trip in like Barcelona and Paris, and like um, I had to leave early, and um, so that meant that the funds that I incorporated into that trip since I was leaving early got actually it got put to first class like, mm. so I rode first class for the first time in my life going to Barcelona wow. and the whole time everybody called me princess and you know it was, it was all fun and games but the, there was like that whole stigma but <laughs> anywho uh, yes it did follow me mm. in college um, it was really awesome being queen and like I developed really amazing relationships um, 
And funny enough, like the um, prime minister during the time um, for Royal Rosarians, prime minister of Royal Rosarians, who traveled with me to Taiwan, um, they're like now my adopted parents because wow. they I struggled in college in terms of the financing component. Sure. And that was a really big stressor for me leading up to my sophomore year. And they kind of knew the situation and what was going on. And they were like, hey, we want to support you. We want to make sure that you get the education. Oh. And that kind of just spiraled into, in a good way, spiraled in a good way um, to now they've kind of adopted me and hmm. kind of brought me into their family. And so I'm very thankful for the Rose Festival and Memorial Resilience and all that they have done because it's just like, they truly saved my life at that point when I was in college, kind of going through the, through the things that I was yeah. back then. So, and you know, with Oregon's, I wouldn't say like, st- I don't. Yeah, stigma is a, a proper word, but it's like with Oregon's um, oh, association with being a a white town, a very mm-hmm. you know vanilla town in terms of like colors across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were in a very interesting court back in 2017 yeah. because you had uh, women from Kenya, China, Ethiopia, United States, and then, of course, the Philippines. Yes. Um, what did it feel like to be in that? You know, it just was, to make that kind of statement. Yeah, it was great, Keone. Like, we, I think to this day, I don't know, Rose Festival, correct me if I'm wrong, but we <laughs> were the most diverse court. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, during that time, um, I, I knew what it meant to be diverse, but the implications of what that meant, um, didn't cross me until, you know, afterwards and like what it meant to be diverse. It was really great. Um, however, there were some instances that we were like, oh gosh, like there's kind of the dark side of things because some people haven't necessarily accepted you know, the changing demographics of, I guess, you know, Oregon, the world, whatever the case may be. Um, There was one time where we went to a, um, gosh, it was like an elderly home. And we Mm -hmm. did a few visits, you know. um, The Rose Rose Festival program has been going on for like 100 plus years. And so like people know about it. And we went to a a home and um, one of the... um, seniors went up to um one of the princesses who is caucasian and said i wish that there were more people or more girls that looked like you and i on this court oh yeah yeah and we were like and we didn't know about that until like afterwards like she shared it with us and we're like oh my gosh like and that's the reality of it you know it was it's unfortunate but i think for the most part again we talk about this like you know, the uh, opportunity to inspire young girls who look like us. Mm-hmm. And that was the really key thing for me was people were seeing us. We were on TV. We were like yeah, you doing were, the whole thing, you know. I believe you knighted someone. Yes. Yeah. I <laughs> as, saw as, that. Yeah. As queen, I, I knighted a few a few people. A few. I don't even know how many people I knighted, <laughs> honestly. And unfortunately, I can't remember all of them but there were like some celebrities that were there um and so yeah it was you know so we talk about representation and we talk about like the ability to inspire people who look like us and that was an opportunity to do so and Mm -hmm. it it was really great but again there was that those implications that have happened but i think um 
that opportunity being the most diverse core definitely outshined everything else that had happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then that's a lot of attention also on you because, you know, if you look back at your life right now, so far, you know, you got, you, know, you came from the Philippines and then you went into high school, which high school in Oregon, or I guess in California. Did you spend some time in school, the school system? I was in second and, uh, oh gosh, second, third, and fourth grade in California. Okay. okay. That yeah. one, that's probably like, yeah, you'll see some diversity there. Mm-hmm. Come up to Oregon, high school, college. It's kind of hard to get another white spectrum there uh, in terms of you know people and diversity and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, jump in sorority and then also, you, oh, I'm sorry, before that, you were in the Rose Festival, Rose Festival Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that sorority. That's a lot of like attention spots for you. Yeah. How did you handle all that? Honestly, and it's funny now I like look back at it Um those points in my life were probably the hardest that I was mm. going through, but I couldn't drop it, you know? I think a part, and I don't know if this is applicable to at least the experience that I had gone through, there's a lot of pressure in Filipino culture to be perfect mm-hmm. and to be a nurse, to be in the medical field, to like find success in whatever it's given to you or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I always had to paint this face on. Mm. of like all right so i'm a princess like i'm gonna act like a princess and i'll watch a lot of disney princesses movies so i know (laughs) what it was like to be a princess and we went through like etiquette training like we went through like certain trainings that like kind of had to showcase that hey we were like put together essentially and that was the same case when i became queen Mm -hmm. more so because i didn't necessarily have like you know we weren't necessarily a court and it was like all the other princesses and i it was just me. And so there was even more pressure to make sure that, like, it was put together. It was poised kind of thing. And then I carried that with me through a lot of the things that I was involved to in college. And I carry it with me now. And, like, but more so, I think um, it's, like, I've kind of accepted that part of me before I was, like, okay, like, I'm just putting on this face. And then, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm just going to take the mask off and, like, move on kind of thing. And it was really hard for me because people were like, oh, like, that's so fake of you. And I'm like, mm. I, I, this is my coping mechanism, girl. Yeah. Like, I'm going through so much right now. Like, if I break, I will break. And I don't I don't want to show that. Like, you know, because people are going to start asking questions. And I'm not necessarily like, you know, I can be an open book. But if I'm when I'm comfortable with people mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it was like shedding that mask and then kind of realizing that, oh my gosh, like this is actually a part of me and accepting that part of me and then kind of just accepting myself and loving that part of myself rather than seeing it as like a like a, a side of me that I'm only supposed to put mm-hmm. when the spotlight is on me kind of thing. So if that kind of answered your question. <laughs> it, 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 it did. It mm-hmm. did. And then, um, you know, now you, you were Sam, mm-hmm. but again, with you know, how social media is and you know, they can dig into your past or and or just like see your timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still get those kind of unwanted attention or has it just kind of all simmered out? I think just a little bit because they, you know, people dig up my past and they're like, oh, my God, you're a queen. <laughs> thing. I'm like, oh, my God, you did this. And, you know, it's it's funny. I I didn't do those things to kind of, you know, get clout or whatever, mm-hmm. like to get the attention. It was one of those things, especially when it came down to the princess thing. During that time where, like, princess applications were open, I just didn't believe in myself. 
I was like, okay, I'm giving so much to my community. I'm doing all these things, but why do I feel so empty still? Mm -hmm. And it was very much so like someone, and I was very thankful that I had like teachers and professors who had believed in me to strive for better. A teacher of mine had said like, you should do it. You should do it. I think you can do it. And I said, okay, sounds good. Went through the interview process. We had this like crazy interview process and then went through the application process, like all those things. And I got it. I'm like, okay, great. Like, this is awesome. And it served as like an opportunity to, I guess, prove my worth to myself. But then also it was an escape to Mm. a lot of the things that I was dealing with. And then somehow ended up being queen. (laughs) And then... With the vice president of community service, you know, I was like, I want to take on that role. I want to take on that leadership. I want to make sure that, like, I can do what I can in order to, you know, provide the services or provide the things that is needed in order for our sorority to be successful, but then also the support that we give to these nonprofits that we support. That's where I kind of came from. But people can look at me and they're like, oh, she's, you know, this, this and that. But again, those are all perceptions that people have of me and I can't do anything about it. And I can only control how I feel about myself and I'm confident and I love myself kind of thing. But, you know, people have their thoughts about that too. It's okay. <laughs> uh, you, you're touching base on this earlier, but yeah, yeah your coping, mecha- coping mechanisms. When did gaming become one of those? Oh, that's a good point, Keone. Slash, really... <laughs> you know, the, the, world, the comic book world that we live in nowadays. Yeah. Our comic book movies or TV shows world that we have. I know you're a fan. Yes. So um, how did how did those two elements become some of your coping mechanisms? Yeah, you know, my brother. Like I mentioned before, like my brother and I are so close. Like mm-hmm. he is like the best person on this earth. Um, partly because he introduced me to that world of, you know, comics, video games, like just everything. And when we were living in the Philippines, like we were – I was – we were very fortunate to have like a PS1 and we would play like Madden on it. It was so funny. <laughs> and then the PS2 came out and that came like, there's so many games that came out with it. So we like played a lot of Naruto growing uh. up. Like I freaking <laughs> love Naruto. I'm here for it. And that's continuously been like a bonding point for my brother and I. Cause yeah. like it taught us lessons that we didn't get growing up, but we knew what those concepts were. So like friendship is like a really big theme in Naruto and like other animes. And like we learned that concept through watching that. Um, Another point was like, um, you know, other video games, like I'm a huge, huge Skyrim fan. Mm -hmm. Like I freaking love Skyrim and I have yet to, my brother and I, he has Foos, and if people who play Skyrim know what it is, it's like the dragon shout. He has Foose okay. tattooed on his arm and he's waiting for me to get my tattoo because we're going to get sibling tattoos of the dragon shout. But like we love Skyrim so much that we're you know, like literally print on our bodies. <laughs> but it was honestly like an escape. Like you mentioned, like it was a coping mechanism to be distracted. And like um, in addition to Skyrim, like we loved Fallout. Like we played a lot of Call of Duty. Like mm-hmm. funny enough, when Sam and I first started dating, like um, I kicked his ass in <laughs> Call of Duty. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, you actually play. And I'm like, bro, you I have no like, idea. Yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's a good it's a good coping mechanism and to this day like i still game like actually yesterday like i took the whole um like when i got home from work i told him i was like i'm just gonna game today yeah so that's all what i did 
Um, I, I was trying to pull it up, but like one of the articles uh, that was written about you when you won, uh, your brother was interviewed, and then he said that uh, something to the lines of, you know, you're gonna do continue to do great things. Um, when, I, for my for myself having an older brother, that's kind of hard to get him to give me a little bit of like conf- confirmative or confirmation. That's the word, mm-hmm. and just some sort of like words of like encouragement right what does it mean for you when you know you do all these things and then you do you ever feel like it goes unnoticed and then how do you think your brother sees you as you do these things yeah i think sometimes but i don't again i don't get involved in these things to be noticed you know i do things for um but you can't have be like, heart. hey, hey, guess what? I did this thing. Yeah, yeah. You do no. that with your siblings, and you do it with Sam to some degree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. I'm like, hey, like, I, I did this. It was really cool, you yeah. know? Um, I think with my brother specifically, he notices it. Like, I don't even have to say it. He just notices it. And I think that comes with the relationship that we've formed as just brother and sister is that, you know, any accomplishment that we've um, done in life, the successes in life, we kind of rely on each other to give that confirmation, that affirmation that, hey, you're doing a good job. Because mm-hmm. we didn't necessarily get that from our parents. And so we only really had each other yeah. for for that. So Yeah. Is he in California still or is he he's in, he's in He's in Hillsboro. He's chilling. Oh, is he? Okay, yeah. so he's in town. Okay. <laughs> he is, um, I think, two years older than me. A year and a half, I would say, is more accurate. Okay. So his birthday's actually coming up, which is exciting. Well, happy early birthday yeah. to him. Happy, happy early birthday, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, in, the, in our talks leading up to this conversation, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned something about how your, I mean, there's not really a smooth way to put this, but you had some childhood trauma that yeah. kind of sets you up for how you are today. Um, you can go as many, as much detail as you like. No, I don't want you to, you know, rip off Start some band-aids. And... <laughs> yeah, it's good. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever see a therapist? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. Yeah, and um, I'm very thankful for the mental health services that they had in Oregon State because mm. that's what I utilized. Yes. But that like that was in college, Keone. Like yeah. I was. That's not too far away. Yeah. Right. And considering kind of everything that I've um, gone through, like I would, I would, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say, Hey, get help now kind of mm-hmm. thing. However, I was just such an, an, a survivalist mindset that I didn't even think about, um, like seeing anybody or getting help because I was like, this is how life is. And so that kind of mindset has been really interesting now that I'm in like a healthy relationship. I'm, you know, um, in a confident place with myself, loving myself, and I'm in kind of an environment where I'm able to trust myself Mm -hmm. as well. And like one thing that comes to mind, and especially when it comes to my relationship with Sam, who grew up in a very like, he has a great family and he had a great, you know home life and childhood and all those things there are certain things that like i didn't even realize were affected from traumas in the past that are applicable now mm-hmm. and one example i can think of is like my relationship with food mm. which is interesting mm-hmm. um i love food don't get me wrong food is a very good thing especially like growing up in filipino cuisine oh, yeah girl, oh, like yeah. adobo yes <laughs> and filipino restaurants are sprouting up more and more yes which is great yes 
Um, but it's interesting because when I'm at home, you know, I grew up where we rarely ate dinner together as a family. And especially during high school, I would keep myself busy. Again, to rivalist mindset mm-hmm. that I kind of just had to do everything and not process my emotions and be so busy that I don't get to think about the things that happen at home or in my life kind of thing. But I would come home at like 8.39 ish after being in school. So I'd have like a 12, 13 hour day and I would be hungry and I would grab my I would grab the leftovers that were made and I would just take that, eat it and then go to bed. Hmm. And it was like a quick thing. Like at the time I saw food as like a necessity. Like I just needed to eat it so that my like stomach doesn't growl. Mm -hmm. And that's that was applicable. Like when I got into a relationship with Sam, who grew up with, you know, family dinners and everyone in the kitchen cooking together, like that whole thing. And um, it's very interesting, kind of that dynamic. And I want to be in a place where I'm comfortable cooking together. But like the tension with that is I'm like, okay, like this food taking like an hour to cook right. like really like i can just go to popeyes you know like give me a chicken sandwich and be done with it yeah so yeah. it's just one of those things and how trauma influences my daily life today mm-hmm. or like small things with like um gosh like if i were to spill something like i f- internally freak out because mm-hmm. i'm just like oh my god i'm gonna yell that oh my god i'm gonna get yelled at and like something's gonna happen kind of thing yeah and then being in a relationship with sam he's like hey it's okay and i'm like it is you know it's like those revelations of like oh gosh like i didn't even realize how much trauma like impacts my daily life today but it's about talking it out it's about kind of getting an understanding on like where i'm at now versus before and like honestly like my uh, therapist said this before but it's like healing your inner child kind Mm. of so whenever i'm down like yesterday i kind of had a rough day Mm -hmm. just played video games because mm-hmm. that's what my inner child would have wanted to do. Just mm-hmm. play video games, not think about anything, just have the distraction. Now I feel better now. So Yeah. Um, so again, the Filipino family where um, we ha- we would have dinner, but it wouldn't be as frequent as some other people. So like, you know, example, like yeah, Sam or Jamie, where they have like these big family gatherings. Mm-hmm. They would ask me like, so what, does, your, does your family do something like this? I was like, oh. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> just just so i don't like cause like some sort of like yeah awkwardness at the table mm-hmm. um but yeah i've had that uh love-hate relationship with food too it's like yeah. um you know right now jamie and i were trying to eat better trying to feel better about how our bodies look mm-hmm. um but i just remember randomly telling her one day i was like you know what fried chicken sounds delicious yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's like where did that come from I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's, it was, oh gosh, what is that whole thing about like, especially with fast food, yeah. like me and fast food go so well, which yeah. just kind of like the, uh, the methodology, like the philosophy behind it all. It's just like, uh, instant gratification yep. is what it is. Yep. And so for me, food was instant gratification. I'm like, all right, I'm done. You know, let me go move on to the next thing True. kind of thing. True. But I never realized how, and it's ironic because like, Food brings people together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the Philippines or the Filipino culture, there's like collectivist thought that like, let's all eat together and like do all these things and have this good food. But that just didn't happen in my household. So it's like, you know, mm-hmm. so I just, uh, I want that at one point, but it takes a little bit of time and time is my worst enemy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, did you find yourself like 
you know, the the relationship weight that it usually comes with, you know, like the freshman 15 is an, is an example of that. It's like, um, you know, I had a pretty bad point. Um, I would say it's probably like last Christmas time-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and also it's like, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, right. kind of back-to-back. Holiday season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just remember like looking at myself in the mirror. I was like, I, mm, I'm not happy right now with how I'm. Did you ever have that kind of experience and, you know, as you're – Maybe maybe not just with Sam, but just like in previous relationships of like, yeah. ooh, life. <laughs> yeah. You know, funny enough, like I read this one thing where it's like being in a relationship is probably the most triggering thing that you can do mm-hmm. to your adult traumas. And I was like, oh my God. When I was uh, in high school, I weighed like 90 pounds mm-hmm. because I just like didn't, I like saw it as instant gratification. I'm like, I eat a little bit and then like it stops my tummy growling. And well, then, plus like, you were a cheerleader. So. Yeah. And then I was in cheer and I was in dance and that, that, that was another type of pressure, you yeah. know, oh, but yeah. <laughs> with relationship with food, like I've always been petite. And then, um, funny enough, like I never got the freshman 15 because mm-hmm. I, again, kept myself busy and I just wanted to have something every single day. And so I would always go to the gym and, um, at points, like it became like a coping mechanism. So I'd be in the gym, like just add another one to that pot. twice a day. Yeah. Just kind of adding it on like twice, three times a day. And I'm like, somebody reached out to me cause I would always post it on Snapchat at the time. And somebody reached out to me like, Hey, are you okay? <laughs> I was oh. like, no, I'm not, but I appreciate you for noticing kind of yeah. thing. And I didn't even realize what that meant. So I was like working out on like in an unhealthy way yeah. kind of thing. Like I barely had anything to eat, but I would like go to the gym and like just exhaust myself. Um, and it wasn't until like being in a relationship with Sam that I actually started eating mm. and like eating enjoying healthy the food. and enjoying the food. So yeah. I gained weight. But, and then there was at one point where I was just like, oh my God, like, what happened? <laughs> like, I used to be like a stick and now I'm like curvy. And then it's just like, and it's, I had to learn to love that yeah. kind of thing. And so yeah. I was like, curves are in, you know? So I'm like, hey, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm, yeah, we're working on that right now. I mean, yeah. like, we, we go to walk, we go on walks. Mm-hmm. Um, we joke around that's like, oh, my version of a comfortable walk is like five miles, hers is like two. And I kind of had to push her for the last three. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, and walks are so good, especially in the yeah. Pacific Northwest because it's just so pretty, you yeah. know. Yeah, and, like, our area has a lot of hills, too. So yeah. it's, like, a good workout and, yeah. you know, less impact on your knees. But, right. um, you know, it's – it's I'm – the gym for us is, like, two doors down. So yeah. it's, like, there's a good convenience factor. But then it's also trying to balance out with every other aspects of life that you're right. trying to get through. Right. That's where it gets hard. Yeah. Sam's been doing a really good job with balancing that. I yeah. can't say the same for myself because I just started this new job. So I've just been kind of like busy, busy. Sure. But for him, like he found the balance of like making sure that it's like a, a thing that he does is to go to the gym because we're also like a few doors. Well, actually, we're a hill down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good for him for getting his steps and kind of thing. <laughs> So I uh, real, real quick spinning it back to your work and mm-hmm. how has uh, this new job that you have fairly new? Uh, how has that been to? Uh, I guess I'm for some reason I'm thinking like your experience as the Rose Festival Queen mm-hmm. is feeding into this position because you do have to talk. You 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 know you sound very polished when you're speaking um, and answering questions. How has the Rose Festival Queen queenship of 2017, how is that helping you in your career right now? 
Yeah, you know, that was um, a connection that I developed um, early on in my in my role, because to be honest with you, like when I got into this role as a policy analyst, I'm a part of the executive team and the executive team is consisted of, you know, people who are a lot older, not a lot older, <laughs> older than me, <laughs> Careful, should say. Larry. Careful. <laughs> you know, and they have a lot of more experience and they uh, are familiarized with the organization a little bit more. So I can't necessarily talk in confidence because there are so many things that I'm still learning. And so at one point I did think about like, okay, if I can, I, I did Rose Festival, I, I did the Queen thing, like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. But I actually found developing that connection didn't help me a lot because I'm live I'm I think a part of me was start starting to live in the past and not focus on the present mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so I actually try not to like bring in like Rose Festival or Queen Head or any of like my past experiences to like prove myself to people. I really have to start thinking about the now of like how what can I do currently in order to prove, you know, being involved in conversations in large settings or like trying to make my point um, that maybe can can be contentious, like mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like how do I do that now? Like let's not live in the past. Look at the queen head. Look at the VP thing. Like what can I do now? So mm-hmm. that's it's it's an interesting connection because I I've done it, but I try not to at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You guys start blazing your own, you know, identity. Cause I think if you, for me, it's like trying to lean too much on my previous things Yeah, makes me kind of hard to be receptive to new things. Right. Or like, um, not living in the present, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's like, I always look at my like past accomplishments, you know? And then uh, there's two parts of it. One is like, what's my next accomplishment you know like i can't be like and then the the second part of that like in lieu of it is like just be happy of where you're at currently Mm -hmm. you know and this is the first job that i'm in that i can fully say that like i'm happy and i don't see myself going anywhere in the next like two to three years because it's you know it's just it's where i want to be yeah so. It's, and I've never thought I would have that either because, like, you know, doing customer service jobs, you're like, okay, I see a timetable. I see a yeah. deadline. And then with this job I have now, or with the company with now, yeah, it's like, I can roll with this for a little bit. Right. I can go a little further. Right. I can jump to a different position. And it's like, ooh, whoa. Yeah. And that's even, Oof. like, a, <laughs> a big thing. I know. And I at one point, like, uh, my supervisor is amazing, but he was like, you know, like start thinking about like what you want to do after this. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I just got here. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? You know, so. Yeah. Um, but I think he's just trying to set me up for success kind of thing. Well, Michaela, uh, before we wrap up, I do like to, you know, hit, start the, the last leg of this journey with you by asking two questions from this packet of 160 hypothetical questions. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, <laughs> first off, though, like, thank you again for coming on. And uh, I love that I get to see this different side of you because you know, we do have the fun side that we get to chime in on. Off off camera. Off camera. <laughs> off camera, of course. Yeah, Come no, on now. Thank you, Keone. It's been really great. <laughs> this has been a really fun conversation. Good. My first question to you. Uh, okay. What three items would you take if you were shipwrecked on a desert island? Oh, my gosh. This typical question. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. See, like the survivalist in me yeah. is like, all right, like I take like a Bowie knife. Right. Gotta, like um, do like a water fil- filter thing. And then, um, gosh, probably like a book. I don't even know what book it would be, but something that like is in relation to like my values so I don't forget who I am uh-huh. while I'm like shipwrecked. Yeah. You know, alone in this vast jungle or whatever the case wherever i end up at mm-hmm. so i think those are the three things hmm. I need. yeah that's pretty good that's pretty good <laughs> uh, <laughs> um okay so this part i'm like you know i feel like you can have a fun answer to what strange thing would you make appropriate in society if you had the power <laughs> you know the first thing that came to mind is like having breakfast for dinner <laughs> like <laughs> making that like acceptable that counts. but i feel like i feel like everybody like i feel like food's like okay i guess you know yeah. i don't know that's a really there's a lot of things that i feel like isn't necessarily considered strange but i think is like not necessarily accepted in society that i would want society to accept mm-hmm. and i think like um you know again not necessarily strange but not in the norm of things i I just think like inclusion is really important like making sure that everyone has the opportunity to be included in things and like making the extra effort to make sure that you know whoever is included in whatever kind of thing so just make it just just don't have people try balut just don't oh my gosh just don't have people do that y'all don't um, know what balut is <laughs> if you don't know what, just uh it it's, a, it's a filipino uh food <laughs> that mm-hmm. has to do with uh i think what is it a duck that's is it a duck it's an it's an egg that has a i think it's like a chicken that's like it's a it's a chick embryo chick embryo yeah yes there you go so and i never ate the chicken i always tasted the the soup yeah that goes with it Look it up. Yeah, and a, people look you know it up. what? The hot is the, the move. You ever had the hot? I, I can't even spell balut, so <laughs> I can't. B A L U T. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Check it out, people. Yeah. Check yeah. it out. Thank you, Keone, for everything <laughs> uh, today. <laughs> Michaela, uh, where can the people find you on social media? Oh, my gosh. I, like, forgot about this opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Get some followers. You, I don't, so I don't have a Twitter, or I don't use my Twitter, but you can find me on Instagram, M-C-A-N-E-T-E-E, M-Kanetti. That's it. <laughs> you officially now have a podcast episode to your name how do you feel that's crazy to me like i've done like interviews because of like rose festival stuff but like having the opportunity to talk to you as my friend and kind of share my story and where i'm at and kind of openly talk about um like my thoughts and my perceptions about the experiences that i've had has been really like wonderful and really healing to me Mm -hmm. and to get the word out there i just hope that um you know people can relate and people can learn or you know here's something that they can apply to their life today so it's been really awesome yeah. i appreciate it and i'm really honored that you asked me i was like oh my gosh <laughs> giant thank you to the guests for coming on telling their story and giant thank you to you for sticking around until the end of the episode if you like what you heard or watch and would like more from keone chats the show can be found on all podcast platforms and youtube so like and subscribe there to get notified when new episodes are released Or if you would like to follow the show on social media and get your notifications that way, you could do so by following KC Media 13 on Instagram and Twitter and Conlu K Media on Facebook. So if you'd like to become a guest, you can email me at kcmedia13 at yahoo.com. Tell me your story. I'd love to talk with you and love to get you on the show. 
So until the next episode, everyone, please take care.